Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Help us, Lord. We are the students. You are the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Please follow along here at Genesis chapter 47, verse 12, 47, 12. Genesis 47, 12. Joseph nourished his father's brethren, all his father's house, with bread according to their families. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in all the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money failed in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if money fail. They brought their cattle unto Joseph. Joseph gave them bread in exchange for their horses and flocks and cattle of the herds and for asses and and he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in the sight of my Lord, but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us in our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Pharaoh sold every man his field because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. All right, now, in our last study, you remember we saw this great transition here in verse 12, how Joseph was first took care of his family by getting them all situated in that very nice area of Egypt called Goshen, but it was really only temporary. It was just a temporary home, a temporary period. It was only only 400 years. <laughs> But it was still temporary. And if you take, you take God's time clock that's given to us in 2 Peter 3 8, where he says, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, then the 400 years is about nine and a half hours. That's all they were there for. Very short time. So anyway, but, but this was an amazing time for God's people. I mean, we can't really, really just sort of gloss over and say, oh yeah, they went down to Egypt. No, it was something very special because the purposes that God had when he sent them down to Egypt. First, Egypt was to be the national incubator for the Jewish people. He promised Abraham right when he called him in Genesis 12, one and two, it says, the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation." This is what God was doing in Egypt. This was the incubator so that the Jewish people could become a great nation. And second, 
God refined the Jewish people down there to make them have a desire to return to the land of promise. And that was through affliction. And that came when that horrible nightmare came to Abraham, where in Genesis 15, 13, God said, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. So in Egypt, God brought his people to be terribly afflicted and made them want to go back to the land of promise. Can you imagine if the Jewish people had continued in Egypt in that lap of luxury in in the land of Goshen for 400 years? And then Moses would have come on and said, okay, come on, it's time for you to leave now. Let's go back to the land of Canaan, the land of promise. They would have said, are you serious, Moses? We're Egyptians. We live in the San Diego of Egypt, the most desirable place on earth. What do you want us to do? Go to some undeveloped land with Arabs where there's malaria? (laughs) No, don't even think about it. They'd say, no, thank you. So you know who was responsible for the formation of the land of Israel at that time? Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh as he systematically killed the Jewish male babies, he is responsible for the Jewish people returning to the land of Israel. It's very much like the Jewish people in Europe in the 1930s, before the 1930s, you know, when Theodore Herzl, he came to the Jewish people in Germany and told them like Moses, okay, it's time to leave now. It's time to go back to the land of Egypt. You know, the Jews in Germany told Herzl, they said, are you serious, Herzl? We are Germans. We live in the most prosperous country in the world. What do you want us to do? Go to some undeveloped land with Arabs and bullets and malaria? Don't even think about it. They said, no, thank you. So you know who was responsible for the state of Israel? Hitler. <laughs> Hitler was who systematically killed the Jewish people. He is responsible for the Jewish people returning to the land of Israel. So God used affliction in Egypt, to make the people desire to want to go back to the land of promise. Then God had a third purpose when he had in mind, and it was bringing the people to Egypt, and that was to not only make them increase into a number of people, but also to give them great riches. When they left Egypt, they spoiled the land of Egypt. It says, in, and that was part of the dream in Genesis fifteen fourteen that God gave to Abraham when he said, and also that nation, Genesis fifteen fourteen, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward they'll come out with great substance, and they did. And then the fourth purpose, they always got to keep in mind as to why God brought his people into Egypt, and this is very important, and that's seen when the Jewish people left Egypt because the Jewish people didn't go out alone. In fact, they had a great amount of people with them, and we don't know how many. All we know is was called a mixed multitude, so it's not a mixed few. It's a mixed multitude in Exodus 12, 38, Exodus 12, 38. A mixed multitude went up also with them, flocks, herds, even very much cattle. So when the Jewish people left Egypt... There was a very large group of Egyptians called the mixed multitude that went out. Those were the smart Egyptians. The dumb ones stayed behind. <laughs> but the smart ones that said, hey, I think I better align myself with this God of the Hebrew that has just destroyed the country. 
So this great mixed multitude of Egyptians, it might have numbered in the millions, we don't know, but they're never referred to again as Egyptians. They became 100% grafted into the Jewish people, into Israel. They became a part of Israel, and like all Gentile believers, they became grafted into and became a part of what God calls the Israel of God. And this shows how God loved the Egyptian people and wanted to save them from judgment. And that's why you and I find ourselves in the neighborhoods we live in and in the jobs we have because God's still looking for the mixed multitude that's going to do what's described in 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9 says, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he puts us where we are, so that through our witness, God can then call this mixed multitude of their, out of their individual darkness and into his marvelous light. So those are some of the purposes that God had in mind when he brought his Jewish people into the land of Egypt, into Egypt, and, and, and anyway. Now, Joseph has, has situated his family in Egypt. That's what happened. And they're well taken care of. He says the word nourished. So now that that's under control, in verse 12 there, in verse 12, you see that Joseph nourished his father, verse 12, the family, brethren. That's, that's under control. Now the focus changes to the Egyptians, where we read now about the situation. Well, what about the rest? I mean, there's a family. They've got plenty of food. They're being nourished. Well, how about everybody else around? And now we read in verse 13, there was no bread in all the land. The famine was very sore. So the land of Egypt, all the land of Canaan fainted. They're weakened by reason of the famine. So there's no bread. No bread in Egypt. And Egypt looks at themselves, how can this be? How can this be? We just have been through seven years of plenty where there was so much grain and we didn't even bother harvesting it. It just rotted on the stock. And no one could have imagined the situation that's described in verse 13 where there's no bread in all the land of Egypt. It was inconceivable, but that's, that's what happened. It's exactly what happened. And now when we read in verse 14 that all the money that was, we read about all this money that was found in all the land of Egypt. And so, you know, when it says that, that Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt, we just kind of like think about the full impact of that statement. I want you to picture now the scenes of the Egyptian people in their homes. I mean, the first scene to picture is of the Egyptian people before the famine hit their homes. And they're all in their homes. They got their little money, their little nest egg. They got plenty of money and food. And in this scene, with enough food, and they're enjoying their lives in Egypt with the food, and they got money, and they, they, they're eating, they're eating, they're satisfied. And then they look at their money, and they get this filled, satisfying feeling like we're set. We're set. We have all we need for the future because we have money. And, and, and they just feel, they, they just feel, and I want, and so we need to feel that also now. Feel with the Egyptian people that sense of security and safety from what would threaten them there in the future because they got money. They have money. And now picture the Egyptian people in the second scene which is really what verse 13 is describing, where it says in verse 13, there's no bread in all the land. The famine was very sore, the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted. So in the second scene, 
Now picture the Egyptian people at this point where their food has run out and they're experiencing this verse 13 famine that was very sore. So the land of Egypt fainted by reason of the famine. And feel, feel now with the Egyptians what they are feeling just at this time when they they start to spend their money for food and they're feeling faint by reason of the famine. Their hunger is becoming so strong that they're starting to, they're becoming weak. And in this second scene, now the Egyptian people, now famished, now they're hungry, and they're looking at their money, and you know what they're saying to themselves? They're looking at their money and saying, I can't eat you. <laughs> that same money that I used to, look, used to look at and feel secure and feel safe, you're not helping me now because I'm starving and I can't eat this money and it's not helping me now. So the Egyptians have come to the place where they said, my need is starvation. I can't eat this money. I thought all this money was going to keep me safe and secure for whatever there was that I'd have in the future. And now I'm so hungry now and I can't eat the money that I trusted in. I should have collected food. I should have collected food during the time of the years of plenty because what, what I did with my life, I collected money, and this money's not helping me. And now I see that what I should have done is collect food during that time. I put my trust in money, and that was wrong. So these two scenes uh, of the Egyptians are a picture of people today. And that's why I kind of emphasize them. People today that spend their lives amassing money and when, it's, and when all is well, they look at the money that they've amassed in their lives, and they feel just like the Egyptians felt. They look at it and say, well, I'm set up now. I got, I'm secure. I'm safe. Whatever comes, because I've got money. I've got money. And, and the sad truth is that they're heading for exactly the same destination that the Egyptians came to, where with failing health, they, they, they can be like, we're feeling healthy, they'll feel like Steve Jobs, who says, I got more money than anybody else. All my money can't buy me the health that I need for one more day of life. Or they come to a place of saying, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to face my creator, and all my money can't buy me a covering for my sins. All my money can't buy, me, can't buy redemption for my soul. My money can't deliver me from hell. The money is not going to buy me a ticket into heaven. And, 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 and that same money that made them feel so secure and so safe and so satisfied is not helping now. It's not helping. And people, people today come to the same place the Egyptians came to when, when the Egyptians said, my need is food. Um, uh, and they say, my need is salvation for my sins. And, and, and I thought all this money was going to keep me safe and secure for whatever need I had. But now I'm so exposed. I'm so naked and exposed. I feel like God is looking at all my sins. And I feel so naked with nothing to cover me. And I can't throw a money blanket over me. And money has failed me now in my greatest need. I should have collected food during the years of plenty because, that, because what I'd spent my life on collecting money is not helping me now. I should have responded to that Christian preaching I heard. I should have responded to the gospel call to have my sins covered and forgiven, to be redeemed. It's too late now. And all I've got is this money, this worthless money. It's not able to cover my sins. It's not able to pardon my sins. It's not able to redeem my soul. I put my trust in money, and that was wrong. 
So these scenes show us the phrase of verse 13, the impact when it says that he gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt. And that's an important phrase because it shows us how we are to help people today. I mean, just picture yourself back in Egypt. You want to help the Egyptians. You want to help them. And so it's during the years of plenty, and you know that the years of famine, they're coming. So what do you do? You go to the Egyptians who are amassing the money, and you tell them, the great famine is coming, and all your money is not going to help you. You will not be able to eat your money. You know. So if you, if you keep spending your lives collecting money, you're going to come to the place where you're going to say, I made the wrong decision, and money can't help me. I should have collected food while I had the chance. It shows us how we should be helping the lost today, our friends, our lost friends who are spending their lives collecting what's not going to help them. We should be trying to help them like we would try to help the Egyptians by saying to them, you're going to stand before God in judgment, and all your money's not going to help you. You're not going to be able to to use your money to cover your sins or get the pardon you need. You can't buy the pardon, and and you're not going to be able to redeem your soul. So it's time to switch Time to switch all your efforts to, from that to becoming a redeemed child of God. So all the Egyptians, they, they amassed this, the, the money instead of food. And the, Lord, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ are so apropos here, where he said in Mark 8.36, Mark 8.36, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and, and lose his own soul? Eh? What shall it profit an Egyptian if he gains all the, all the money and loses, and loses his own life because of lack of food. Now, now, the Lord Jesus looks at people today. He looks at people today, and he says to them, the words of Isaiah 55.2, the words of Isaiah 55.2 says, wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently Unto me and eat that which is good. Let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear. Come unto me. Hear. Your soul shall live. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. It breaks God's heart to see people turn away from him and try to satisfy themselves with what he calls ashes. So he said to Israel in Isaiah 44. 20, Isaiah 44, 20. Speaking of Israel, he says, he feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside. He cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Again, with along the same lines, the Lord looks at the lost, laboring for what he calls laboring to plant seeds in the wind. Plant seeds in the wind instead of the ground. He says that in Hosea 8, 7, Hosea 8, 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk, the bud shall not yield, shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, strangers will swallow it up. When God looked at Israel, he said, Israel, and remember, Israel, the Jewish people are just like everybody else, only more so. But when God looked at Israel, he said to Israel, you have committed two evils two evils. And he said that in Jeremiah 2.13. Jeremiah 2.13, where he says, my people have committed two evils. First one is, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out 
for themselves uh, cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So first they forsook Jehovah, Jehovah Jesus, who's a fountain of living waters. That's what he said in John 7, 38. John 7, 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So to believe in the Jehovah Jesus is experience a real, true soul refreshment, a satisfaction from what he called rivers of living water. So Joseph, he goes around and he gathers up all the money that's in all the land of Egypt. Hebrew actually says he gathers up the silver that's found in all the land of Egypt. But when verse 14 says that Joseph gathered up all the money, the picture is like a Joseph going around like with a broom. He's just sweeping up all the money. And it's coming out of all the Egyptian houses. It's just flowing to Joseph. And it wasn't just all the money from Egypt. It was all the money that he gathered up from the land of Canaan. They sold the corn. Now, the question is, what did he do with all that money? Well, we're told in verse 14. Verse 14, it says the end. Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Now, can you imagine Pharaoh? I mean, how delighted he sees that not only has Joseph, his wonder boy, saved his country from starvation. Now he's collected all the money and brought it into Pharaoh's house. It made Pharaoh the richest man in the world. He owed it all to Joseph. And we can imagine as Joseph brings in all the money from Cain and from Egypt into Pharaoh's house, how Pharaoh must have turned to his servants and said, didn't I tell you that we couldn't find such a man as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? Look at all this money that's come in here. So Joseph collects all the money for bread, and at this point, we might ask the question, was that right? Was that right for Joseph to do that? Was it right for Joseph to reduce the Egyptians in their great need to a state of absolute destitution? Now, I want to hear from you. What do you say? What say thee? (laughs) Do you think it was right for Joseph to sell all this corn to the Egyptians? Was it right for him to reduce the Egyptians to destitution by selling them corn? Shouldn't he just given them corn and not sold it to them? What do you think? Well, I would say yes, it was right for Joseph to sell the corn to the Egyptians and not to give it away because we have to remember who Joseph is working for. He's not Pharaoh. He's working for Pharaoh. And Joseph's first loyalty was to Pharaoh. And Joseph served Pharaoh So everything that Joseph did was in the best interests of Pharaoh. And we have to remember that that's also true about the Lord Jesus Christ, that his first loyalty was to God the Father, and he served God the Father first. I mean, it was God the Father who loved us, according to John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave the Lord Jesus, he gave his only begotten son to us that whoever believes into him would not perish but have everlasting life. It was God the Father who sent the Son into the world, and just as Joseph served Pharaoh, so the Lord Jesus said in John 8, 29, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. I do always those things that please him. That's his first priority. But just because Joseph served Pharaoh did not make Joseph insensitive to the Egyptians. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 